This is the reality. Hello again. Welcome to the reality. My name is Dudley Anderson. Really good to be with you once again. The reality is produced by Sure Reality Media, a half-hour talk show talking about the sure reality of life as found in Jesus Christ. Well, today on the reality, we're going to be speaking to author, songwriter, broadcaster, and pastor Jared Cooper. Jared leads a large church in Hull in England. He uses speech, song, worship, and prophetic ministry in an inspiring and challenging and humorous way to encourage the church to reach up higher into the glory of God. This work has taken him through the UK, Europe, Africa, and the Americas. His main passion is that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. His popular song, King of Kings, Majesty, was inspired by a touch of the glory of God. On a flight to South Africa, I had an encounter with the glory of God. It was the middle of the night, I opened my eyes, the cabin was dark, and instead of the plane, I saw a vision of the glory of God. I believe he's gonna robe us in uh, royal robes that we don't deserve, uh, do something incredible through the body of Christ. So, church, be ready, he's going to clothe you in royal power, presence, and grace that is beyond us and do something incredible in the earth. And that's what the song really is about. We need to see and understand that God is taking us from glory to glory. Jared Cooper has been involved in producing over 20 music albums, including 11 solo albums. His song, indeed, that he's probably most well known for, is the song King of Kings, Majesty. Let's meet Jared Cooper today on The Reality. Well, on Skype today, speaking to Jared Cooper. Really good to have you today, Jared. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be talking about uh, your life and ministry, and indeed, if I may be so bold as saying, uh, one of uh, the elements of your ministry you're pretty well known for is that wonderful song, King of Kings and Majesty, one of my favorites. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But let's begin by asking, as I always do, Jared Cooper, how did you find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Wow. Well, I was I was born in 1970 and in Newport, South Wales. And from about 10 days old, I would go to church, uh, taken obviously by my parents, up to five meetings on a Sunday sometimes. You know, wow. it, we, we were that dedicated family that went to everything that moved. And <laughs> uh, it was a traditional Pentecostal church, you know, piano on one side of the stage, organ on the other. And and a wonderful orator of a pastor who led Assemblies of God in Great Britain at the time. And I remember it must have been about six or seven years old, because when I was seven, we went to live in Gibraltar. My parents were missionaries, Mm -hmm. and this happened just before that. So I would have been about six or seven. And uh, Terry Law, who's an American worship leader and teacher and pastor, Mm -hmm. who started what would now we'd call one of the very first worship bands with things like drums in it that we were all wondering whether they were of the (laughs) devil or not at the time. And um, they turned up to the church, and I vividly remember, they must have said to all the children, you can gather around the stage and sit on the steps of the stage while the band led worship and sang in ways that were just radical to us uh, hymn singing Pentecostals who mm. who sang the you know the occasional Holy Spirit chorus and things like that, mm. but music like this that was verging on 
pop sounding worship was just radical to us. Anyway, hmm. I sat on the front step of the stage and I vividly remember while worship was being led and people were singing hundreds of them throughout the auditorium. It was as though the presence of God moved into the room and this little six or seven year old lad felt the electricity of the presence of God for the first time. And I, I knew, even though I couldn't articulate it in that moment, God wasn't a song. He wasn't a church service. He wasn't a moral code. He wasn't God wasn't a book that we read. God was a person who just turned up in that atmosphere of worship and mm -hmm. introduced himself to me. And very soon afterwards, I vividly remember kneeling down by a rocking chair with my mum at home and giving my life to Jesus. Jesus. And that, that began this adventure of getting to know God the person, not a religion, but God himself. Oh, wow. Lovely story. Amazing. Uh, that would have been living sound, am I correct? It was living sound, wow. absolutely. Terry Law, I believe he's uh, recently passed away. That's very sad. I yeah. mean, what a remarkable impact that amazing man, man. Had Yeah, I on met the him. world scene. I met him once. Amazing guy. Praise God. That's amazing, uh, Jared. Thank you so much. Uh, and so you gave your life to Jesus at an early age. Uh, were you playing music at an early age? I guess music for me probably started uh, some years later, probably uh, a little bit before 10 years old. Uh, my dad taught me my first guitar chords, and I just seemed to take to it, really. I mean, music was, it just made sense to me. It, you know, when you, when you find something that you're gifted at, I mean, if you look at someone who, who really can cook or really can sing or really can be hospitable you know it, there's, there's many gifts in the world and the rest of us look at people and go wow that's almost superhuman you just seem to you just <laughs> seem to exude hospitality let's say so naturally i just as an introvert i find that amazing mm. um but my thing really was music i found it very natural very easy and in fact i started guitar at uh, a little under 10 and learned to play and was you know in various um, roles within the worship team, even, even as a child supporting in the small church that we were in in Gibraltar by this time mm -hmm. playing. But then uh, one remarkable story was we were on holiday. We'd come back to England and we were on holiday in a church that, that I still know to this day down in Winchcombe in, in the United Kingdom. And um, uh, all, all, all the family, we were meeting with a family who were a group of friends of ours in there, staying in their home while we visited England. And so there was a lot of people in the house, maybe eight or ten of us in the house. And uh, there, there was a moment when everybody was in the living room except for me. I'd gone to the study and I was sat in the kind of study stroke dining room that had a piano in it. Mm. And, and I just looked at the piano and I... It just made sense to me, and I started to play it. I just started <laughs> to play chords and play tunes, and I could instantly play. And everybody in the living room looked at each other going, who's playing the piano? And they looked around the room, and everybody that could play was in the room. And then they all walked through and went, <laughs> what's going on? Press what God. are you doing? It just made sense. It's the only way I could describe it. That doesn't mean I didn't have to work very hard you know, to continue to practice that and yeah. develop it, but it just made sense to my to my young mind. And so music came very naturally to me. And it was probably the, the greatest expression of my relationship with God was found in and around music. Um, and then I would say even as a teenager, music really kept me in church, you know, mm -hmm. music in and around the youth group and in and around the worship team. 
uh, you know, and I'd say to churches everywhere, get your young people, your your creatives busy. Don't make them just sit through through meeting after meeting. Get them involved because uh, we are all wired to not just have intimacy with God. We are all wired to to have responsibility that comes out of that intimacy. And that's what really mm-hmm. grows our relationship with God. So we really don't want to have people just sat in meetings, do we? Mm-hmm. And so I was allowed to be involved. And that really took me through my teenage rebellious years so beautifully that I still had this one strong connection uh, with God. And it was through music. That's amazing. You're one of those uh, musicians. I am a musician. I play guitar. But you're one of those musicians we love to hate, you know, multi-instrumentalists. <laughs> Bless you. Uh, well, yes, a little bit. And I, but, you know, here's the other thing. I, I can't read music at all. Um, so uh, I, just, I just listen and copy or it, or it comes out. My, it's all very spontaneous to me. I'm probably something of a, mm-hmm. of a you might even say, a, a jazz worship ah, leader. Jazz means spontaneous and let's do whatever I think we should do. <laughs> So um, I really wish I had disciplined myself to learn to read music. It would have been wider, yeah. really. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, let's stop for a minute then at uh, that lovely song, uh, uh, King of Kings and Majesty. When did you write that, Jaron? Uh, that was written in 1996. I had uh, been in ministry uh, about uh, six years at that time. So I was 26 years old and um, I was a full-time worship leader. And I just become itinerant after working at a, at a Bible school in ministry for about five years. And I was beginning to, to, to travel the world and, and lead worship at various events in different places around the world. And um, in 1996, uh, on a flight to South Africa, I had an encounter with the glory of God. And all I can say is I, I, it was the middle of the night. I opened my eyes on, as I uh, you know, the, the the plane, the cabin was dark and uh, we were flying. If you've ever been on one of those long night flights, you'll mm. know what it's like. It's just all dark. And instead of the plane, I saw a vision of the glory of God. And I lay there terrified, if I'm honest, for several minutes and then kind of uh, 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 dropped into a sleep and uh, kind of f- fell asleep in a dreamlike state. And this happened night after night for, for several weeks while I was in South Africa. And the glory of God just seemed to roll into the services uh, as I traveled around South Africa. Times when you just couldn't get to preach. Times when I could hardly play a note. The entire congregation was just falling on their faces under the under the presence of God. It was as though uh, God was saying, I don't really need you to minister that much. A little bit like 2 Chronicles 5 when the priests couldn't perform their service Mm -hmm. because God's glory had turned up. So. I, I went through a time like this, and at the same time, God began to give me visions of, of the United Kingdom and revival and the glory of God hitting our streets and miracles and signs and wonders and a real, what the Bible might call a revival or a harvest time or a reformation, something of, of, of God's power, presence and principles really coming to the fore in society once again. So whatever tag you give that listener, wherever you are, because we all call it different things, um, that sense of so much more of God turning up and we decrease and he increases. And I, I sense that for the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. So out of that period, strangely, um, well, I wrote quite a few songs, but when I wrote King King's Majesty with the lines in royal robes, I don't deserve, I live to serve your majesty. It was not just about robes of righteousness. It was about being robed in a move of God, being robed in a a harvest in the world, a, uh, as the church being graced to do things that's so beyond us. The church has so often had, 
remarkable times in its history, usually led by a few remarkable people. But so many of the prophetic words of what God wants to do in the world in the coming decades is that the body of Christ as a whole would rise up graced with God's power and the gospel and God's grace and kindness and, mm-hmm. and something remarkable would take place. So I believe he's going to robe us in uh, royal robes that we don't deserve Praise and uh, do something incredible through the body of Christ. And uh, I mean people that feel very normal in their everyday life, just like I do. And yet sometimes uh, when I've experienced that great grace, I go, wow, look at what God has done. And uh, so church, be ready. He's going to clothe you in royal power, presence, and grace that is beyond us and do something incredible in the earth. And that's what the song really is about at its core. Fantastic. Well, you're quoted uh, as having a passion for the glory of the Lord, that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Uh, the uh, The Hebrew word is kavod or kavod adonai, glory of the Lord, which in fact I believe means a weightedness, like a heavy yes. cloak on your shoulders. How do you see the glory of God covering the world? If you go through the Bible, you find this wonderful picture, don't you, in the Old Testament of of a tabernacle being put together and everything put in place. And then kind of when it's ready and Moses presents it to God and to the people, God's pleasure turns up, shall we say, and his glory, the kabod, as you said, the weightiness of God rests on the tabernacle. And we, wow, God fills the temple. Then it happened again for Solomon, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've already mentioned it, 2 Chronicles 5, when Solomon presents the temple before God with great sacrifice and praise and worship and, and people lifting their voices to God, the glory of God in the form of a cloud again, and the weightiness of heaven comes and fills the temple. Now, if we jump over to the New Testament, we know that we are the temple. Mm. And so the thing that God, if we're looking at the pictures that you know Moses was told to design the the tabernacle to very precise patterns because it really was showing us something very important of a reality in the heavens and a reality in our own lives. And so this, there was a very exact work when God was giving us this prophetic picture through the tabernacle and through the temple. Mm-hmm. So what could it be showing us? I believe it's showing us that as God builds his temple, the church on the earth, this great mobile temple now mm-hmm. of, of two billion plus people that cover the planet and mm-hmm. are growing in their relationship with Jesus and are being graced by God to, to do remarkable things uh, ab- above their, their own personal station or their, anything they could ever earn or or, or even hope, um, that God's glory will come and rest in us. The reality is produced in partnership with the Good News Broadcasting Association. To listen to this program again, please visit the website gnba.net. For more information about GNBA and other radio programs that we produce, please send an email to info at gnba.net. Email us info at gnba.net. You're listening to The Reality with me, Dudley Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me. Don't forget, write in to me, if you can, by email, Dudley, spelled D-U-D-L-E-Y, Dudley at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality Media. Today on The Reality, we're speaking to Jared Cooper. Having found an intimacy with the Holy Spirit, Jared Cooper committed his life to Jesus at an early age. Soon he found himself traveling the world, sharing about the love of God 
and his desire to reveal his glory to us here on earth. On a flight to Johannesburg one day, Jared had a supernatural encounter with the Holy Spirit where God exposed him to his awesome glory. On a plane packed with people, Jared encountered what the Bible describes as the glory of the Lord, or as in Hebrew, kovod Adonai. Jared Cooper has a passion to see, as it says in Habakkuk 2 verse 14, For the earth was filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Jared believes that this glory of God will be manifest in the body of Christ as it shares the gospel under the power of God. Today's interview recorded via Skype. Let's pick up our conversation once again with Jared Cooper today on The Reality to find out more. The amazing thing is, if I just throw in a little bit of uh, what I believe is prophetic insight, and I'll leave that for others to judge, but um, just over 500 years ago, a reformation, a reformation, a rebuilding, a re-putting together of the church began with Martin Luther nailing his 95 thesis to that castle church door. And without the use of the internet, a massive ripple mm. of transformation shot <laughs> through the church. And suddenly, church, you wouldn't have recognized church 550 years ago as this thing that we have today where there are, you know, half a billion people, probably more, speaking in tongues. It would have been a historical event 300 years ago for so many people to speak in tongues. For five people to speak in tongues, it would have ended up in the history books. Today, mm-hmm. uh, you, you've got uh, a, you know, a decent percentage uh, of the planet speaking in tongues every week and considering it normal. There really is a move of, of something going on. Mm-hmm. Something of the church has been reformed. The concept of apostles, the concept of prophets, Um, a sense that God is increasingly putting together his church as he wants it. Now, if you track back through history, every 500 years, God seems to do something quite remarkable, really quite different. There there seems to be a pivotal point in history, and I've tracked this back through, through modern church history and then right back through the Bible, whether you're looking at the beginning of the Dark Ages or Jesus or or, um, the exile or uh, Moses or Abraham or David, or Noah, all these points are massive shifts in how God interacts with the world every 500 years or so, thereabouts, mm-hmm. not, not on the dot. It's like the turning of a great battleship in the sea. Mm. Well, we are alive today at one of those 500-year pivot points because the Reformation began 500 years ago. And I believe one of the great Reformations underway right now is the restoration of the apostle in the earth, which is The church is built on the foundation of apostles and and prophets and the apostles in a servant-like, Christ-like manner are the the senior of of the positions of authority that God puts into place, all in a, you know, no sense of abuse or throwing our weight around. Leadership really is servanthood. And (laughs) so the sooner we get that, it helps us to see clearly. Um, But I believe with the restoration of the apostles, and then as I track back through my book, 500, I'll take you through through all of the different eras of restoration and reformation that have gone on the last 500 years. I believe we're at a point where God is saying the temple, though not perfect, is ready for an infilling of his glory, which means by his grace, ordinary men and women and children in the church around the globe, I believe are beginning to experience greater glory than ever before. 
let, let me give you a little bit of evidence for that. Um, right now around the world, more people are being raised from the dead than ever in church history. I, I've got a friend whose church has a resurrection team. One church in the States has seen nine people raised from the dead. I mean, <laughs> there really are come some remarkable stories of things happening around the world uh, as God's glory just begins to increase on the church. Mm-hmm. And we begin to see signs that that something is taking place. I was privileged to be with uh, Reinhard Bonnke uh, in the year 2000 when he did his Millennium Crusade in Lagos, Nigeria, his biggest ever crusade. And I stood on the platform that week as he led, I think it was over three million people to the Lord in five days. Hmm. Um, one particular evening, I believe it was the last night, over a million came to Christ in one evening. That is, let's put it in context, 10 Welsh revivals in one evening <laughs> numerically. <laughs> so, we need to see and understand that God is taking us from glory to glory. And if we submit to him, if we stay in repentance and humility, stay close to Jesus, um, carry on dealing with our issues and our foibles and our envies and our pride mm-hmm. and stick close to him, we are going to find waves of glory increase on the earth. We're going to find, and I've been through it, um, some moves of God where, well, we we had a move a few years ago, nine years ago now, and it lasted for three or four years, where um, lots of 15-year-olds on the streets of Hull were opening up dozens and dozens of deaf ears. They were taking crutches off mm. people. They were they were running around the streets as they left their crutches and Zimmer frames behind. Oh. Remarkable moves of God through children and through teenagers. And we're seeing waves of this, and that's what it is. The glory of God is God made visible. God who's so often in the background, leaping into the foreground through a sign, a wonder, a miracle, a, a revelation, a cloud of glory, a voice like a trumpet, all kinds of things, encounters, and then his love expressed through healings and miracles. Um, and we're just seeing that increase in waves by the grace of God. And that's what I believe is going to continue to increase happening on the earth. Praise uh, God. As God fills his temple with glory. As he fills his temple with his glory. Amen. Wonderful stuff. Jared, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, And uh, that uh, leads me to uh, the next thought. You are you started out your, your work and your ministry as a worship leader, but now you are in a position of leading a church uh, apostolically and pastorally. Tell us a little bit about your church and how it formed. So Revived Church is... Uh, um, it was an Assemblies of God church. It's actually in a nearly nearly a 100-year-old church. And uh, I've been in and around the church here in, in Hull, which is in northern England, which is the home of William Wilberforce, who, uh, mm-hmm. who fought for the end of slavery and did so well uh, several hundred years ago. And, um, and so I was privileged. I've been an itinerant uh, since 1990 for 15 years. And then 15 years ago, I was privileged to be able to take on the leadership and serve the church at Revive Church. And in that time, we've kind of grown locations across the region. But quite classically, you'll find this around the world, where worship leaders take on a church. They they lead it like a worship leader very often. In other Mm -hmm. words, there's a very high value on praise and worship and presence and prayer 
and and prophetic things and stuff like that. And so I I, I say to them, bless them. I say, you, you're you're not a normal regiment, you know. Um, <laughs> you are the SAS. <laughs> so we're here to we're here for an adventure. We're not here to have nice tidy little sermons and hide in our four walls and uh, you know play at church. We're here to get out there, have adventures. I'm always trying to empty my church. I'm trying to send them on mission. I'm trying to get them to start new churches, to go away with all that they've learned, to go do something with it in the earth and we've got some incredible stuff happening around the world transforming law uh, stopping um, the trafficking of children educating some of the poorest children in Colombia and turning them from uh, uh, the real uh, difficult edges of the land now they're becoming pastors and missionaries mm -hmm. and surgeons mm -hmm. and politicians uh, you know if we get out uh, stumbling though we are and we go with all that we can at what God has given us I I find that God will do incredible things. So all I really try to do with our church, and sometimes I, I feel like it, we do it well, and other times I feel like we've we, we got so much more to go. You know, it all goes wrong, because uh, that's real church life, right? No church is as good as its website. But all yes. I really try to do is create an environment where people will meet God, because I know when they meet God, like Isaiah, they will hear in the very atmosphere whom can I send? Whom will go for me? Amen. So if I can have a ministry of reconciliation, help people not meet church or Jared, but truly meet God, I know he will give them an assignment that will transform them and potentially the world forever. Fantastic. Praise God. Uh, and, and Jared, you're married to Victoria. Uh, you have children, yes? I have a son called Zachary, yes. That's amazing. And uh, they're involved in the church with you? They are. Um, so Zach is, Zach is only, he's 11 years old. So, you know, he's a classic 11-year-old uh, in church, in and around. He's just joined the youth group now, come out of Sunday school and all that kind of thing. He's creative, musical, wants to write, you know, film scores. So he, he's full <laughs> of ideas. And, and like most kids these days, so much better at the technology than than I am. So he already mm. knows how to use a lot of things on my laptop better than I do. That's Praise classic, God. isn't it? And so, then Vicky, my wife, um, she, her background is in dance. She danced, danced on the on oh, the West End. She wow. plays the violin. Wow. Uh, very creative. And in fact, what the main thing that she does these days. Um, uh, so, you know, right now it's it's 2020. We're in the in the middle of a pandemic and lockdown. But in 2019, God gave me a vision of us helping people in their homes to meet God through the internet. Mm. And I, at the time, I thought, well, that doesn't really excite me very much. I really don't want to do that. And we were just coming back from Australia. We just felt God tell us to build a studio in our home. So in faith and without the money, we got on and built it, not knowing that uh, four months later, nations around the world would be closing down and suddenly the mm. church would move online and I would need this studio to speak to thousands of people around the world and bring teaching and prophecy and encouragement. And then also we have, and this has just worked so well for this time, we'd started a global online learning community called The Tribe. And so there are now around 300 active members around the world, all learning and growing together. And Vicky runs all this. So, you know, I'm the face of it doing the teaching and and then some of our team and friends around the world help us. But Vicky is the is the clever mind that mm. she uses the same software as Harvard University for mm. our learning platform. And we're teaching pastors and itinerants and po apostles and missionaries and church planters and church influencers 
uh, how to grow in God, how to grow in the prophetic, in leadership, church leadership or, or marketplace leadership. And uh, in so many ways, we're just inspiring people online. So it's a whole world I didn't even think I'd enjoy <laughs> or would exist. Mm-hmm. And yet here we are, God's led us into it. Amazing. So Vicky runs all that behind the scenes because she's a clever soul. Uh, that's what she does, and she does it brilliantly. Praise God. Well, creating responsibility out of intimacy, in your words today, uh, Jared Cooper. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your life and work and ministry and your thoughts on praise and worship and revival. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on The Reality. I lay my own Today on The Reality, we've been speaking to Jared Cooper and a very short excerpt from his lovely song, King of Kings, Majesty. If you'd like to know more, maybe make contact with me. I'd love to hear from you. Drop me an email, dudley at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality Media in partnership with Good News Broadcasting Association. Find out more about GNBA at gnba.net. From me to you, as always, keep your eyes on Jesus and God bless. <laughs>